You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Well, um, I thought I thought about um, starting by introducing myself. If you haven't had a chance to know me, or if I haven't had a chance to talk to you, um, so yeah. So as Steve was saying, my name is uh, Simel. Uh, the strange name is because I'm not Australian. I'm I'm Portuguese, from that country far away. Um, I'm 30. I'm 30 years old. Um, I came to Australia about um, seven years ago. Seven years ago to, to study to do a PhD at Griffith, uh, which I finished about um, two years ago, and I and I still work there. Um, and then uh, and then in the meantime, I married uh, Kirsten. I married Steve's little sister, as he likes to say. I'm marrying an Australian, so I'm not uh, I'm not going anywhere now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a privilege it's a privilege for me to. Um, to preach or, you know, whatever they're calling nowadays. It's a privilege for me to, to I guess, share some of the things that God has been, has been challenging, challenging me. And, uh, and I, hope, I, hope you'll be, I hope you'll feel challenged with, with, with what we're going to discuss this morning. Uh, part of my uh, Portuguese-ness is that um, when I see something that I don't understand or when I see something in the Bible that I'm like, oh, that's, that's a bit too, too harsh or that's a bit too difficult, I tend not to flip the page. I like to look at it and say, what, what is Jesus trying to say here? And I try to, to think, oh, this is really hard, but how, how can Jesus say something so hard and how can this apply to my life? So I'm not going to apologize for bringing something that is, um, I guess, a bit challenging uh, because it's really challenging for me. So I want to, I guess, uh, bring the challenge to you this morning. And, and, um, and then in the end, I, I, I would like to have a chat with you and hear what you have to say, what you have to say about this and if you've been thinking about this as well. Um, so, um, also something about me is that since I was, um, since I was a little kid, I, w- I always loved movies. B- big movie fan, t- TV shows. Um, and I kind of grew up with, this, um, with these different kind of heroes, right? So different movies have different heroes. I don't know if you guys, can you guys recognize any of those pictures over there? So who's that guy on the left? Anyone? All right, that guy on the left is uh, Kevin Costner, Robin Hood. In the movie Robin Hood and the Prince of Thieves, um, I watched that movie countless times when I was a kid. Uh, and this guy on the right, can anyone, anyone recognize that guy? Sorry? That's Jack Bauer from the TV show, um, did you guess it? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sunderland? Yeah. Yeah, so that's Jack Bauer from the TV show 24, so he's a secret, a secret Asian. Steve likes to say that he looks more like a dad and drives his kids around, but he's a pretty, uh, pretty badass in the TV show. But anyway, the idea, the idea of me showing you these pictures is that when I was a kid, I grew up with these uh, figures, with these kind of superheroes. And I guess when you watch too much of it, you kind of have the idea that, oh, like I'm, I'm, a, big, I'm a, bit, a bit of a hero, right? You kind of think, oh, what, a, what am I known for, right? Like these guys are known for something like really good, like Robin Hood is... I mean, he's a gun with, you know, with a bow and arrow, and Jack Bauer is um, he's a secret agent, so he's pretty much good at everything. Um, so I guess, I guess I grew up with this idea that I want to be, uh, be known for something. I want, when people think about something they, and that I was particularly good at, I want to think about me, which is not a very good th- thought, but that's, you know, that's kids' minds, I guess. So my, my first question for you this morning is, um, and I know it's a bit straightforward, but it's what do you want to be known for? Um, I guess, um, do you want to be known for, um, for the job that you have, for being really good and really amazing at your job? Um, or do you want to be known for, um, I guess, a particular attribute that you have? You're really good at, at drawing or, 
or playing the guitar or you're really good at a sport? Um, do you want to be known for, um, for the big house that you have or um, the big bank account that you have or the big boat that you have? Um, my challenge to you this morning is what do you want to be known for? Because I believe uh, in the text that we're going to um, read in Matthew, in Matthew 5, Jesus, I guess, puts a challenge on us and on the people that want to follow him. And he says, if you want to be my children, this is what you should be known for. So let's, um, let's read that text. It's, uh, if you want to have your Bibles or if you just want to look at the screen, we are in Matthew 5. Um, so we're staying on the, on, the, on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 from verse 38. It says, so Jesus is, again, talking to the people, and Jesus is saying this. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give it to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then verse 43. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do, do that. And then verse 48 finishes with, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So let's just stop. Let's just pray and commit this time to God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again so much for um, this time this morning and what we already experienced of you and the time that we had um, during communion and, and worship and offering. God, we pray as we, um, I guess as we dig deep into your word that, that you will speak to us, that you will challenge us, that you will convict us, that you will remind us of who you are and, and how amazing God you are. Uh, just help us not to be, I guess, um, too distracted or too overwhelmed by, by the words, by, by what's in your word, but help us to really um, uh, be committed to you and committed to what, what you want for our lives because we know that that's the best for us. We pray this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so if you've been following us the last few weeks, we've been, um, we've been journeying through the sermon, uh, the sermon on the Mount. And as Steve, is, as Steve uses to say, it's the longest uninterrupted sermon that Jesus ever, ever preached. And, and, and it's interesting how Jesus really turns the heat on, on the people around him. He really, Jesus really challenges everyone that is listening to him. Um, and he kind of breaks the conventional system uh, because he teaches something that is, um, I guess, very different than what... Um, what the religious leaders of the time, what the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, they teach you something very different that they were teaching. You see, the, these Pharisees and these scribes, they demanded that people not only follow the law of God, but they demanded that people follow their own interpretation of the law. And not only that, but they thought they were doing pretty good. They thought, oh, we're observing all of these little details, and everyone, everyone else is not, um, and so we're good, and and everyone else is, uh, is pretty bad. And they, these people need God, but we are pretty good because we, we're doing what God wants us to do. Um, and Jesus actually, in another time, um, in another sermon, he actually said that the Pharisees were making it impossible for other people to be saved. Uh, and pre- because the Pharisees would put so much burden onto people, 
uh, onto the Jewish. They put so much burden onto them, so many rules and, and legislation, so many little things that Jesus said, oh, you're making it impossible for people to be, uh, to be saved. And so Jesus, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, in a sense, Jesus has to break down and really say, okay, this is what God really wants from you. And so I like to, I like to think that Jesus preaches what we call, or what I like to call an upside-down message uh, from what the Pharisees and the scribes uh, were preaching. And, um, and this is actually a picture that uh, me and Kirsten had the privilege to go to Israel. It's upside-down, yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Kirsten had the privilege to go to Israel. So this is, this is, this is actually the, the Mount of Beatitudes. So this is the place where Jesus was, was preaching this message, where Jesus was preaching this uh, radical message. So Jesus is telling these Pharisees, and you notice how Jesus starts these, these two sections that we read in the Bible. Jesus says, you, you have heard that it was said. And the first time I read that, I thought, oh, you have heard what it was said. Maybe Jesus is referring to the Old Testament. But in fact, Jesus... What Jesus was pointing out, Jesus was pointing out to a wrong teaching that the Pharisees and the scribes were saying. Um, in fact, the, Fer- the Pharisees were again adding and creating their own, their own uh, oral tradition. The Pharisees and the scribes were teaching the people that it's okay to hurt you if someone hurts you back. Uh, it's okay to hate your enemies. Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Uh, they were saying that it's okay to be the judge and the executioner. Um, and it, the interesting thing is that the Old Testament refers this, but doesn't, doesn't say this in a context of me and you, of, of an individual context. The Old Testament, when he says eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, uh, it's referring to, um, I guess, to the courts of law. He's saying that the judge has the right to punish someone if they, if they commit a crime, because the courts have to, I guess, establish peace and order. But the Pharisees were distorting this teaching that was reserved for the courts, and they were saying, oh, this is for, for, everyone. This is for everyone else. But when I, um, when I think about why were the Pharisees even teaching that, why were they, I guess, distorting the Old Testament and, and making, making this, um, making like this, I guess, vengeance, making this okay? And I guess when I, I think about it, I think they, this teaching they didn't come out of nothing. They didn't wake up one day and, and thought, oh, maybe we can bend the, bend the Old Testament here a little bit. I believe that they, that they did this because... To be honest, for them and for me, if someone does something against me, if someone offends me or hurts me, I have the right to respond in the same way. Right? Justice has to be served. And, and who's the better person to serve that justice? It's me, right? If someone offends me, I don't want to wait for someone else to, I guess, to do the same to them. Like, I, can, I can do the same to them. Like, they hurt me. I can hurt them. It's all even. We're fair. We can move on. Um, so, so in a sense, we, you know, it's, I believe this is not just me. Uh, but I think we all have some sort of fault in this, right? Um, I think this is, this, is, this is in our nature. This is, uh, if someone does something against us, we reply in the same way. I mean, you can just see the little kids and how they, how they interact with each other and how they behave with each other. Little kids respond like this. So I believe that these teachings and these distortions were, didn't come out of nothing. It came out because the human, the human heart and the, the flesh that we have, like the Bible says, uh, it's like this. We, we are born like this with this, uh, with this sin and with this tendency to, to go against what, what, God, what God wants. But, but Jesus has to, um, has to teach something different. Um, Jesus has to, um, when Jesus came to earth, he, in a sense, he said, all right, let's stop with this nonsense. Let's stop with this um, 
this movement uh, that's going against what God has always been saying. Let's go back to what God wants. Let's see what God actually said in the Old Testament. So Jesus is teaching the people this. Um, and Jesus, in this passage, um, is saying that when you are a child of God, you will love differently. When you are um, a child of God, you will not respond in the same way. Um, because, um, because this is the heart of God. And he says... Um, and he even puts it like that. He even says, if you only love those that already love you, you're not, you're not any better than, than, than the sinners. You're not any better than other pagans. Pagans as people that worship multiple gods. Uh, you're not better than any tax collectors. And if you're familiar with the Bible, tax collectors were, people, were Jewish people that were taxing each other above what, was, uh, what, was, what they were supposed to tax. So there were sinners in the eyes of the other Jews. There were sinners. So Jesus is saying, if you, if you only love those that love you, if you, against, if you only love in the easy way, you're not, you're not doing any better than them. They already do that. If you want to be a child of God, you have to be different. Um, and, and I think when, when I think about these, these words of Jesus, I, I often think, Jesus, this is, this is too radical. This is, maybe this is not for me. Maybe there's a class of Christians that can do this, but I can't. Maybe there's, there's a special class of Christians or those that are in the mission field, those that are part of the persecuted church. This is for them. This, is, this radical message of loving those that don't love them back, this is for them, not for me, because this is, this is too hard. But I believe that when we look at the Bible, Jesus doesn't, you know, everyone is in the same in the same. Um, Everyone is the same. God doesn't see people differently. God doesn't have classes of people and give different things to different people. God is saying, when you are a child of God, you will love, you will love differently than the world. And that for me is, um, is really challenging. So, so I guess let's go back to, uh, to the text and let's, I guess let's dissect what Jesus actually said about this love. Let's see how Jesus describes, describes this love. Okay, so Jesus says that the, the type of love that God has is this. If someone hurts you or offends you, don't retaliate. And I guess try to eliminate any natural desire that you have to retaliate. Jesus says as well, be willing to submit to any unreasonable demands. And, and don't argue with people. Um, Jesus, Jesus also says, if someone is in need and asks, asks of you, give it away. Um, Jesus says, love people that don't love you and pray for those that are trying to hurt you. Um, and it, love here does not mean, I guess, personal affection. doesn't mean that if someone hurts you and trying to hurt you, you have to go there and cuddle them or give, give them a kiss. But this type of love that Jesus is talking about is, is, is compassion, is, is desire good for the people that are against you. Um, and not, not only desire good in a passive way. Jesus is not just saying, oh yeah, you can, you can just love from a distance and you don't have to be involved in their lives. No, Jesus is actually saying you, have, you should pray for those that, that persecute you. Um, you should, your love should not stop in just watching from afar, but you should be active in your love. Um, you should actually pray and pray that God will bless and God will bring good to the people that, that persecute you. So I guess if we summarize what Jesus is trying to say is that the type of love that God wants us to love is a sacrificial love and a sacrificial love that acts, that results in action. 
that is not passive. And looking at their list and looking what, um, I guess, looking what society preaches about love and what we see, again, on movies and TV shows, how love is portrayed, we see that the type of love that, the type of love that Jesus is talking about is definitely very different than what we see on TV, right? Um, it's not, this, is, this type of love is not the love that makes me feel butterflies in my stomach, where colors, I guess, have a different tone and everything smells like roses. Um, the type of love that Jesus is talking about is not, it's definitely not easy. It requires tremendous sacrifice um, and does not make me feel happy inside all the time. The goal of this type of love is not for me to walk around uh, in the clouds all the time. So let me just share um, a story with you where I guess I, I saw from, from someone close to me um, just an example of someone that I, I believe loved like this. So some, some years ago when I was in Portugal before I came here, there was a couple uh, in, in our church and they, um, they had one little girl. Everything seemed to be going well for them. They were involved in worship. They were involved in youth and other activities. Um, and then this lady had, um, unfortunately, this lady had breast cancer. Um, but the couple um, stayed together. They fought this situation and, they, um, and she, she, she was cured and everything seemed to, to go well. But sometime after... You know, not knowing the details, she, she started having an affair with, with someone at work, with a colleague of hers at work. And this, this went on for a while, and I guess when you do something like this, you have to lie to your husband. So the lies started piling up, and eventually he found out. He found out about the situation, but his heart was in the right place, and, I mean, with tremendous sacrifice, he forgave her, and he, he said, oh, you know, let's, let's, keep, let's keep going, let's fight for our marriage. But... Again, she, um, I think she was willing to do, it, to do that, but you know how these things sometimes go. She, she kept going back to, um, to that other person, and, and this went on for a while. And, and I guess when things were too much for him, he said, all right, like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. So they, they separated. Um, they didn't get divorced, but they got separated. And different people were telling him different things. Some people were telling, telling him, no, she's, you know, she's been lying to you for too long. This situation is going for too long. She can't move back, she can't, I guess, love you the way she used to love you. So people say, you have to divorce her. Other people were saying, no, you have to stay with her. So anyway, so this, this, this friend of mine, he was, I mean, you can imagine how, how he was confused and how he was um, distrusted and things were really hard for him. And then a couple of months after, we, uh, we had the privilege of going to this Christian conference um, in, in another city. And, and in this Christian conference, you know, in one of the night section, sessions, there was this, um, this preacher and this preacher was talking about, about love. And this preacher, at, at a certain time in his ser- service, he, he said this quote, you have to love like you've never been hurt before. Love like you've never been hurt before. And, and, and our friend, I actually didn't see it, but my friend was listening to this and he was absolutely in tears. He was just, this thing really struck something within him. He really felt that God was, was telling him something. And... Um, and he went back home. Um, he decided, all right, I'm going to give her another chance. And, um, and he did. And slowly the things got better and better. And, uh, and they reconciled. And they eventually had another kid. And, and I think, and I think this still things are much better with them. So it's... Um, and I know there's multiple examples of this. But this is something that I've watched closely. How someone can love in this way as if they've never been hurt before. 
So this is definitely a costly type of love. Paul says that love should be patient, should be kind. Love does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered, doesn't keep records of wrong, doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Love always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. And as Jesus was saying, this love is not, not just for those that love you, but for those that hate you, and for those that don't want to love you now and don't want to love you in the future. So when I think about this type of love, my question is, how can I do this? How is this even possible? This seems too, Jesus, this seems too radical for me. This is too far one way, and my mind can't even comprehend how I can do this. I mean, I can't even show that love to people that love me. I can't even show this commitment and this sacrificial type of love to the people that love, love me, to my wife, to my family, to my friends, 24 hours every day. I can't show this type of love to them and they love me back. How am I going to supposed to love those that hurt me? Interesting as well that Christianity is the only, only religion uh, that actually exalts this type of love. You don't, you don't hear about this type of love for those that hate you in any other religions. The Muslims don't say that. The Buddhists don't say that. Christianity and Jesus was the only one that, um, that say this. So how am I supposed to love? How am I supposed to pray even for those that um, are doing something unfair to me? For those that are gossiping me behind my back? For those that have hurt me on purpose? And they not just hurt me on purpose, but they get away with it. No justice is served. How am I supposed to do that? And I, I believe the Bible um, says that there's, there's one way where we can start, I guess, to learn the baby steps of sacrificial love. And, and I believe to even start loving like this, we, first of all, we have to know God. We have to know His love for, for us, for me and you. We have to know what God has done for us already. And we have to know what God um, is still doing for us. Our souls have to be transformed, and only God can do that. And our souls have to be continually transformed. Our lives have to be continually changed by, by God. And I guess that's why we've been hearing so much at church, and Steve stresses so much at church, that we, be, that we should be disciples, that we should have small groups, that we should share life with each other and have church with each other and be a community of people. Because that's the way that we're going to learn who God is, we're going to learn His love, and we're going to even start loving like He wants us to love. You see, the amazing thing about God is that God doesn't ask us to love like this without showing us first this type of love. God is not sitting on a big white throne somewhere and just demanding the impossible of us. But in fact, the Bible says that Jesus, who was God, left the holiness of heaven and came down to earth. And he came down to earth and he lived among people. He lived among the people that he created. But the crazy thing is that the people that he created rebelled against him. People that God created didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They hated him, they persecuted him, and they even put him on a cross. But Jesus didn't use this eye for an eye technique. He didn't use this tooth for a tooth. But, um, but Jesus still died for the very sins that put him on the cross. And while Jesus was hanging, he was praying for those that were crucifying him. Jesus was praying, Father, forgive them. 
because they don't know what they're doing. See, in, uh, in, in another letter to the Romans, Paul says that while we are God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Do you get how profound this is? That while we were still enemies of God, haters of God, God reconciled us to himself. That although the, the religious Jews, the, the Roman authorities, may knew while we rejected God, uh, he didn't treat us as enemies, but he loved us to the, to the point of dying in our place. And God just didn't stop there. Because you see, even today, Jesus is in heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus is in heaven interceding for me and interceding for you. Um, again, Jesus didn't go back to heaven and didn't want any involvement with us. But the Bible says that um, he started us on the narrow path and he's, and, he wants, and he's helping us to finish the journey. See, Jesus didn't just preach a radical message. He showed us how this is done. And I, I believe that only when you understand the radical love that God has for you, um, only then you will, um, you will, we will start learning these baby steps of loving like God, God has loved us. So let me, um, let me finish with this. What do you want to be known for? What do you want this church to be known for? This community of people. Do we, do we want to be known by amazing worship? By amazing songs, we want to be known by a church that runs amazing programs and everything runs smoothly and everyone is safe. Hopefully everyone is safe. But do we want to be known by having an amazing building and in a good car park? What do, we, what do we want to be known for? Do we want, want to be known for the amount of work that we do, for the amount of ministries that we do, and how successful and how many pe- people we reach? Is that what we want to be known for? Let me just read from... Um, from Revelations, Jesus is addressing this type of church and Jesus is saying, I know your works, I know your toil and patience endurance and how you can bear with those who are evil. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. So this church seemed to be going pretty good. They've been doing the work, they've been persevering and toiling for God. But then Jesus says in this passage, but I have something against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. So I believe as a group of Christians, we can do amazing things. We can be a church that, again, runs programs, runs everything, runs amazing from the stage. But I, but I believe, and the Bible says it, that we can do all these things, but it can all be for nothing if we don't love. Um, if we don't love those that are close to us, if we don't love our, our neighbors, if we don't love the people that are trying to, to reach us, and if we don't love our enemies. Um, and it's costly, but I believe it's worth it. You see, the early church, they thrived because they loved like this, because they, they took care of the sick, because they, they pick up the abandoned children that the Romans would leave to die. They thrived because they loved like this. So my prayer for me and for you is that as, as we keep digging as we keep exploring who God is, uh, his attributes, his characters, as I guess as we are in this Lent season and remembering the cross, as we keep exploring this, let's, um, let's, let's talk about this type of love, let's explore together in our small groups, in our discipleship groups, um, and let's, let's, make a, let's challenge each other to know God more, to know the type of love that God has for us, and, and to be willing to be transformed by him to love like he wants us to love. So let me 
Let me just pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that that you, whatever you ask of us, you have done it first. That you, you were not an unfair God, that you were not... Um, yeah, that you're not unfair because you have loved us so much. And while we were still your enemies, while we were against you, you have shown us um, tremendous love. And God, we, um, we want to be transformed by the knowledge of you. We want to be transformed by knowing that you loved us this way, that you still love us this way. And we want to reach out. We want to love our friends and our family with this type of sacrificial love, but we want to love those that are around us, those that don't want anything to do with us. We want to love them this way as well. It's extremely challenging, God, but, but if you ask something of us, you have given us the tools to do that. So God, we pray that you keep, um, you keep transforming this church and, and that we keep growing together uh, into the measure that you are. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.